Hello there. This is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I tell you about the Doctor Who that I have watched. <laughs> yep, that is this podcast. Um, cool. Well, this is the uh, second episode that we're recording today. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's been a good weekend so far. Um, on on Friday, uh, Kyle and I um, made a, a character for the Star Trek RPG that Kyle's going to be running. Uh, we made my character. Indeed. Um, and uh, yes, uh, he is he is Doctor Blarg. The Tellarite chief medical officer on our ship, um, the then, USS Odyssey. Yes, the the, the good ship Odyssey. Um, and then on Saturday we played in the Star Wars RPG that we're both in together. That's always a good time. Um, right. And now today we're doing Doctor's <laughs> Watcher, so we're going through all all those big, excellent, beloved sci-fi franchises <laughs> um, all weekend long. Our our Star Wars game, where you play as Sheets, who is what's the name of the species? I can never remember. I always want to say the Star Trek name. Um, Cathar. Cathar. That's yeah, close to in, the Star Trek name. In Star Trek, they're Cadians. In Star Wars, they're Cathar. <laughs> I, I like how in both franchises, they basically said, okay, if this is a cat person, which is what those are, <laughs> then let's just take the word cat and, eh, you know, zhuzh it up a little. Uh-huh. <laughs> Add a few letters, you know, maybe a syllable. I'm playing as a Gran, which is yes. basically a goat person, but a three-eyed goat person. <laughs> Weeshnack. Weeshnack. The three eyes is important because he actually owns a, a set of electro-trinoculars. Yes. Uh, he's, a, he's a beloved character in this <laughs> campaign so far. He's quite, quite a guy. Indeed. <laughs> A, a bit a bit naive a, a bit naive but you know i i think <laughs> he means well yes <laughs> yes we love him uh today was also uh i guess um i will say a momentous day for for my partner and i because it was basically the first time in i believe roughly 14 months that we actually like ate some food at the property of a restaurant. Whoa. It was like at their outdoor seating, but Oh, congrats. But but that was very exciting for us. Yeah, I know I know the two of you just got your second shots um pretty recently. So Yeah, we're we're technically still in like our, our fourteen day waiting period. But you know, I kinda I kinda was I kinda was like, you know, doing the math in my head. <laughs> Actually wait. <laughs> Mm. But yeah, we thought like outdoor seating was probably okay. We I don't think we were closer than like ten feet to any any other outdoor seaters. All right. All so, right. but yeah, nice day today. Cool. Cool. Excellent. All right. Well, um, shall we get into it? Indeed, we shall.
This is, of course, Season 2, Episode 4, which our listeners will already know by looking at their podcast app. (laughs) That is World's End. Unless you've got us on autoplay and uh, you're binging us, in which case, now you know. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, this is a new serial. Uh Uh-huh. The show doesn't quite tell us yet who wrote it, so I'm not quite going to tell you yet either. Oh, they're they're playing their cards close to their chest, are they? But I I will give you a hint. It's a returning person. This is a returning person. In fact, (laughs) this is going to be our first writer to get three serials. Uh, well, well, then the fact that the who the writer is is a spoiler, and the fact that this is their third serial makes me actually. I hope I'm doing this math right. Makes me wonder if it's um, Terry Nation. You don't have to tell me. I know. I know it's a spoiler. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so that's my guess. Um, Terry Nation, the Dalek guy, uh, which I think at this point Terry Nation has made his peace with the fact that he is the yeah. dog guy. <laughs> um, but whether it's him or not, we'll find out soon. Wow. Um, but I do remember the uh, the cliff dangler. Oh, sorry, you were about to say something. Um, yeah, I was just going to say that I, I, I will neither confirm nor deny that until <laughs> we get to the appropriate point. <laughs> uh, well, I, I didn't check to see whether anybody else has, has returned yet or not, if we've had any... If there are any other potential candidates for, I think, for uh, third, think you may be the correct your, one or not. Cards in it there, Kyle. <laughs> um, cool. This is apparently, though, the final story with David Whitaker as script editor. Oh, okay. Which yeah. was the role that we think is like boss of the writer's room. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, Thank you for, for your time on Doctor Who, David Whitaker, and we bid you all the best. Indeed. Um, yeah. So, so, so what was that cliff dangler? Yeah, well, we just recorded the previous episode, so I'd better remember that the cliff dangler was that the Doctor might know where we are. <laughs> Indeed, that was exactly what it was. <laughs> my, my short-term memory is usually pretty awful at least it's not that bad (laughs) we actually don't even get to see the cliff dangler replayed in this episode i'm not surprised (laughs) we go straight into a brand new cold open which starts with the camera focused on a sign which reads emergency regulations it is forbidden to dump bodies into the river Heck yeah, that's that's a good, good, possibly dystopian um, establishing of an episode right there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm pretty sure in our world it's also illegal to <laughs> dump bodies <laughs> into the river, but um, we usually mean... don't have signs about it, though. Yes. In the foreground, we see a human human looking person who is wearing a large metal collar around their neck Mm. and like this metal, like U shaped apparatus over their head. That's like attached to their neck collar. Does this look like this person is wearing this collar? Um, 
voluntarily? <laughs> uh, it does not, in fact. Uh, as the that camera had watches... <laughs> Just putting that together with the dumping of the bodies and the, uh-huh. <laughs> and the metal collar around our dude's neck. Mm-hmm. So as the camera watches, they rip this collar off of their neck and they scream and then they stumble down to the shore of the river and then they just like walk into the river and then they like float off face down just float away they didn't didn't read the sign tomorrow there will be a second smaller sign underneath that says (laughs) and this includes your own body that that means you (laughs) (laughs) we didn't think we had to specify but (laughs) (laughs) Back on the bank of the river, the TARDIS materializes its regular size. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> and, and at this point, the title comes up, World's End by Terry Nation. Yay! <laughs> uh, our, our guy is back. The Dalek guy. Indeed, this is the creator of the Daleks. Of course, his most recent serial wasn't the Daleks. It was the Keys of Marinus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, who knows so, what this one could be. Yeah, while we love Daleks, and we do, I think of all the things we've talked about on this uh, this podcast, possibly the one that we've spent the most time on is how much we love the Daleks. But, <laughs> but we're, still, we're still keeping an eye on you, Terry Nation, because, uh, yeah, he had some kind of problematic stuff going on in the the keys of Marinus. Yeah. I spoiler alert, I do regret to say that there's a little bit of problematic stuff in this serial. Not mm, well, well thanks for the warning. I I won't say whether it's worse or better cuz that's not for me to judge, but already side-eyeing Mr. Nation. Um we uh we love we love your Daleks, but yeah, sometimes you know yeah, that's some that's a thing. Sometimes creators of things that we love are not so great and Mm -hmm. uh we we can't be making excuses for them just because we we love the stuff that they made so in now that i brought down down. (laughs) please tell us more (laughs) in the tardis control room the image on the scanner is unclear ian wonders where they are is that the scanner that had its screen blown out in the previous episode Right, and and replaced, and... Oh, okay. Yeah, then the doctor was complaining about it still, and... Oh, right. So, yeah. yeah, it's unclear. Barbara hopes that they're somewhere nice and quiet, which Susan agrees with. I hope that this is just several episodes of us having a picnic. <laughs> oh, we've landed on the beach planet. That's, <laughs> that's nice. Uh, unfortunately, this is not an anime. <laughs> we may not be getting our beach episode. The doctor thinks that. Though now I am picturing the doctor in a, a swimsuit and it's these, like you know super old timey ones with like oh, the yeah, yeah. long shorts and the like uh-huh. you know shirt thing. And it's like like red and white striped. <laughs> yes, with or like you know thick black stripes. and white striped because this is right, this right, is right. <laughs> Someone might comment on the red and white stripes. <laughs> you look so good in those red and anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor thinks that maybe what they're seeing on the scanner is moving water, like a river or something. And cool. he asks cool. Susan to check the readings. Radiation nil. 
Oxygen normal, pressure normal. Good progress in earth reading. Bodies in the water one. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Well, uh, I don't want to boast, but we might be somewhere in London. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the optimism. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, and I love, I love that he. I love his ego here. That he starts that off. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't mean to boast as if, like, <laughs> uh-huh. So they open the doors and they head out. Outside, they can see a warehouse on the other side of the river. And it clearly is London. Like, I don't recognize it, but I don't live in London. Ian and Barbara, like, confirm that, like, this is London. Oh, okay, cool. Ian's like... You brought us a long way around, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in, in several possible directions. Uh -huh. in, in both space and time. And the Doctor says, More by good luck than judgment. Hmm? <laughs> wow. Wow, Doctor. I mean, I guess it's one of these things where if somebody else had said it, I suspect he'd be pitching a fit right now. But uh -huh. it's okay when he says it. But yeah, he but, can uh, say it about himself. We've seen that from him before. They seem to be down by the docks, but there's no sign of any other people around. Mm -hmm. Probably Sunday. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Mm -hmm. The doctor wonders what year they're in, and Ian's like, Oh, a year or two either way doesn't make much difference to us, you know? Yeah, very optimistic there, Ian. <laughs> uh -huh. I thought that was a, a pretty interesting viewpoint, though. Like, oh yeah, if the two of us just randomly disappeared on the same evening as one of our students in the middle of a school term. And then we randomly show up again together without her a year or two later. No big deal. Or, you know, alternately, like <laughs> if, yeah, if we have to spend like a year or two avoiding our past selves until <laughs> they get kidnapped by you and we can like take their place in society. Sure. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, I guess it, it, it beats having, perished in one of the many perils that they faced along the way. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> of course, the doctor points out that it could be like the early 1900s or it could be like the 25th century. Wow. And I, I again, it's one of these things where I guess it's okay if he says it himself, but he's admitting that he might be off by, by that much. Yeah. Susan starts climbing around and exploring some more. And she ends up falling and hurting her ankle. Huh. And she, what's she climbing on? Uh, she's like climbing up the embankment, basically. There's like this bridge overhead and there's basically like debris around. And yes, so she's like climbing up this embankment because they're like at the riverbanks. She's trying to get a better view of what's around. But I, I feel so bad for Caroline Ford. I'm yeah. Like, if you're not screaming in terror from the latest monster slash bad guy, um, you're just kind of picking up injuries for no other reason than so that we can move the plot along or, or have a, a new complication. Yeah, pretty much. And yeah, in this case, we definitely get a new complication from it because as like as a result of her falling, she basically causes like this whole rickety bridge to collapse 
onto the TARDIS. Whoa. Um, also, uh, somebody call OSHA. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it should probably take a little more than that to make a bridge fall down. Yeah. Yeah, so now the TARDIS is just like completely inaccessible until they can figure out how to shift these huge girders off of it. Are they are they pretty sure that the TARDIS wasn't simply smashed? Yeah, they they can still see it and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just basically buried, covered in girders. Uh, and there's like one girder in particular that's kind of the main one that's blocking the TARDIS. So Ian Ian wants uh, an acetylene torch to like to cut through it. <laughs> and I'm not surprised that Ian knows his way around an acetylene torch because <laughs> Ian is a person of action and many skills. Indeed. One and of his many skills is action. <laughs> I'm sure they've leveled up. They've all leveled up a few times by now as well. <laughs> well, we know that the doctor was trying out his new climb skill in one previous, yeah. uh, previous episode, <laughs> two episodes ago, I think. He then gets the idea that maybe he could find a crowbar or like something else useful in the warehouse that's like nearby across the river. I, I'd like to just slice this thing with a, you know, acetylene torch, but I guess I'll settle for a crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as much fun. Uh-huh. So he and the doctor both head out to check out this warehouse. The doctor, though, is worried that they might be nowhere near the 1960s. Here we are, standing by the Thames, and uh, we've been here quite a while. How long? What, two, quarter of an hour, 20 minutes? Hmm? Oh, easily, but what about it? Well, what have we heard? Hmm? Nothing. Precisely nothing. No sound of birdsong, no voices, no sound of shipping. And not even the chimes of old Big Ben. Centenny. Hmm? Centenny. I find it interesting that, like, in the, the one with the French Revolution, um... When when they were like, ah, this doesn't look right. It's very quiet. Like there's no lights on. He he said something like, oh, I'm sure we're just out in the country or something like that. Like he, mm-hmm. he wasn't willing to at the time um, admit that maybe he was off in in the the timing. Um, but now he seems to maybe. I uh, can't believe I'm about to say this, but maybe <laughs> the doctor is learning and growing as a person. Yeah, he might he might be. Of course, I guess the difference could be that, like, they're definitely in London now. And so, yeah, like... so he can at least pat himself on the back about yeah. that. Oh, and they know what London, quote-unquote, should be like. Mm-hmm. So Ian and the Doctor go to let Barbara and Susan know about their plan to go search the warehouse. The Doctor is pretty annoyed with Susan for having hurt her ankle and brought the bringing the bridge down. It's it's always shitty when someone's annoyed with someone for something that they did accidentally, especially yeah. if they hurt themselves and you're like, you know, giving yeah. them a hard time about it. It's like, dude, A, they didn't do it on purpose. B, they're already in pain. Like, <laughs> come on, doctor. Susan mentions that there is no harm done and the doctor's like, no harm done, child. No harm done, no. Do you realize we can't get into the ship? And what's all this rubble then? Look at it. Mm. Barbara wants to come check out the warehouse with Ian and the doctor, but Susan's ankle is too hurt to go anywhere, and someone needs to stay with Susan, 
So she and Barbara both stay behind. Okay. The doctor continues infantilizing Susan as he and Ian leave. Uh-huh. Even advocating for corporal punishment, which I felt was highly inappropriate, so I'm not going to quote that line. <laughs> Terry Nation. Yeah. What are we doing here? As Ian and the doctor start to carefully pick their way through this seemingly abandoned warehouse, Barbara goes to wet her handkerchief to try to help with Susan's swollen ankle. And as she does so, she finally notices this sign that's been on the wall near the TARDIS this whole time. The sign from the start of the episode about how it's forbidden to dump bodies into the river. And she's like, well, that's good to know. In case, uh, <laughs> in case Susan's swollen ankle gets worse, we may need to find a place to dump the body. Mm-hmm. Susan's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking ahead. <laughs> so she's finally, she's basically convinced by this poster and like the too quiet river that they're not in the right time. Mm-hmm. Susan's ankle like really hurts apparently. And Barbara thinks that her handkerchief is not wet enough. So she heads back down to the riverbank to wet it some more. And we cut back to the warehouse where the camera shows us that there's another human seeming person at the warehouse watching Ian and the doctor. Although of course the two of them don't know it. And do we see that they have the same kind of apparatus on? Uh, they do not. We we can clearly see that they do not. Interesting. So Ian and the Doctor continue their exploration. From a window of the warehouse, Ian sees... Fantasy Power Station. Which is a famous London landmark that you might recognize from the cover of Pink Floyd's album Animals. Oh, nice. <laughs> Uh, you know, that is if you're like me and you listen to lots of music that's like 50 years old. <laughs> I, I do like Pink Floyd a lot, but I can't say I'm super familiar with that particular album. Uh, yeah, go check out the cover uh, and you, you'll you probably recognize the image. I will say that unlike the cover of Animals, what Ian sees is only two of the four exhaust chimneys of Battersea Power Station are intact. The other two are like broken and crumbled down. Uh, so so it's a matte painting is what you're saying. <laughs> I think it's a, a, a pre-Photoshop Photoshop, actually. Oh, interesting. A, an yeah. analog Photoshop. Yeah, I, I have seen this, uh, this album cover before. And uh, yep, looks... Uh, Looks um, like almost a cathedral-esque building um, in terms of scale with a uh, mm-hmm. big old smokestack on each of the four corners. Ian wonders what happened to it, and the doctor's like, mm, What's happened to London, dear boy, is more to the point. <laughs> which I thought was fair. Uh-huh. Well, I think <laughs> that the one question is kind of the same thing as the other. And yeah. The doctor may be being slightly pedantic here but he is the doctor <laughs> and we are not surprised ian's just like must have gone over to nuclear power <laughs> <laughs> the power of the future 
the doctor finds a desk calendar that's from the year 2164. Cool. But, you know, this, this warehouse facility that they're searching has clearly been empty and abandoned for probably several years. If not centuries. So, yeah, all we can know for sure is that it's sometime after 2164. Cool. That's all we need to know. I mean, yeah, that, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, how's the episode so far? You can share your thoughts by emailing us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweeting us at doctorwatcher. If you're enjoying our little podcast, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes. And now, let's get back to the episode. As Barbara wets her handkerchief some more in the river, she happens to see the body from the opening scene floating in the river. And she's like, hey, didn't you see the sign? (laughs) And, you know, quite understandably, she's, like, pretty disturbed by it. Yeah. So That is fair. Yeah. She heads back to where Susan was waiting, but Susan is not there. Hmm. Instead, there is uh, a human-seeming man without the the neck and head brace. And he's like, what the fuck? Do you want to get killed? Can you hear those gunshot sound effects that just started happening? <laughs> well, I can't now. <laughs> he tells her that Tyler has Susan and that they've got to get out of there. So... Barbara falls him. She's got like nothing else to do, basically, or no other choice. Okay. As the warehouse search progresses, Dr. Rolls investigation and he finds a cardboard box. And inside of this <laughs> nice roll, Doc. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> inside of this cardboard box, there is a dead body. Oh dang! <laughs> it's like the, I'll uh, I'll add that to my inventory. I guess. <laughs> Just loot this box here. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This body actually is wearing the same like head neck device thingy mm. as the person who drowned themselves in the river. Mm-hmm. Ian wonders what it is. He thinks that like maybe it's a medical aid. He speculates that, like, maybe this guy fractured his skull and that this device is supposed to, like, help knit the bones back together. Oh, Ian. (laughs) You sweet, sweet, innocent cherub. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, the doctor disagrees. No, I think there's something more to it than that. You know, I think that this is an extra ear. Ideal for picking up... High-frequency radio waves. Hmm. Interesting. Uh-huh. I wonder if that has something... See, I'm thinking this is some sort of, like, you know, one of these collars that they they put on prisoners in sci-fi shows, and then if you move outside your, your designated area, then something not super fun happens to you. And, yeah, maybe oh, if it's yeah. radio waves, then, like, when you're once you're outside of the... Um, radius of those radio waves. If the radio waves the, stop, it'll explode or something. The, yeah. The bad thing happens. Yeah. 
they also find that this dead body was equipped with a whip, which Ian adds to his own inventory and goes ahead and equips. Okay, cool. He equips it. E- equips. Equips it. Equip it good, Ian. <laughs> Equip it. Equip it good. Excellent. About this time, they hear a creaking noise, and they also notice that there is a knife in the back of this dead person. Oh, jeez. And they decide to, to continue their search. Ian starts kicking doors down, and he kicks one down that leads to a precipitous drop-off outside, where I guess there used to be, like, a staircase or whatever, but is no more. He actually, like, falls into it, and... Oh, yikes. Yeah, I guess he, he made one bad roll, followed by one good roll, because he manages to catch some iron framing... And, like, pulls himself back up into the warehouse. Cool. Yeah, it's always, like, you, you always get the sense that your DM is being kind of generous when they're, like, um, uh, yeah, so you fall and, ooh, shoot, yeah, you would totally <laughs> die. Um, why don't you uh, give, me a, give me a roll to see if you yeah. catch the, the edge of the whatever, like, before you... failed you... your save, but just give me an athletics check on that. <laughs> so, at this point, the doctor decides that Maybe we should just cut the search short and head back to Barbara and Susan. Barbara and Susan, of course, are on the move. Susan is being carried by, apparently, Tyler. And Barbara is following the other guy. So, so uh, we're doing. We talking uh, bridal carry, fireman carry. Like, what, what are we working with here, Kyle? Uh, this is a fireman carry. I would, I would say. Okay. okay. Yeah, you definitely. Know, there's, like there's over, the <laughs> over the shoulder. Over the shoulder. They do say that that's the most um, efficient way, I think, to carry someone. Mm-hmm. We get this great sequence of Barbara running through like wild overgrown London she's following this guy who's giving her like the classic hand signals of you know like wait there behind that pillar for a moment now run 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 etc etc and this whole sequence is driven by a soundtrack that's entirely drums It's a really fun sequence. It's like all post-apocalyptic and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. It eventually results in the four of them, which is to say Barbara, Susan, Tyler, and the other guy whose name we shortly learn is David. The four of them meet up in an abandoned subway station where cool, cool classic for uh, for dystopian or, uh-huh. or post apocalyptic stuff and yeah susan and barbara get informed that they'll have to worry about their other friends later there's no time for it now other friends of course being ian and the doctor mm-hmm. on the way back to the riverside where 
Barbara and Susan are, are of course, no longer waiting. The Doctor and Ian watch a flying saucer fly past. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the type of flying saucer that very closely resembles an empty pie tin dangling from a wire in front <laughs> of kind like an, an image of a London skyline. Oh, oh, I, I love it. Yeah, it was great. I loved it too. They get back to like the, the starting zone of the adventure. And of course, Susan and Barbara are no longer there. And Ian's pretty annoyed. Why? Why do they do it? But the doctor's like, you know, I mean, it, it might have had, might have something to do with that gunfire that we heard a few minutes ago. Like, just saying. Cool. Well, after the doctor was kind of shitty to Susan earlier, I'm glad that he's at least giving them um, some benefit of doubt here. Yeah. So they decide to just wait for a bit and see if Barbara and Susan come back or like if they come out of hiding or whatever. Mm -hmm. Ian wants to just like GTFO as soon as they can find Barbara and Susan, just GTFO and like try the next adventure module ASAP. (laughs) The doctor's like, yes, but aren't even a bit curious after all, it's your city, you know, don't you want to know what's happened to it? hmm?" And Ian's just like, no, I don't want to know. Yeah, it's like, man, it clearly ain't good. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was fair. I'm actually not sure, you know, if I would come down wanting to know or not. I can definitely see see the appeal of both, both sides. Mm-hmm. Barbara, Susan, David, and Tyler kind of go through the subway area a little bit and they arrive at this underground area where David asks Barbara if she can cook. Apparently the sexism and gender role expectations are still pretty strong in the future, unfortunately. She's like, well, it depends on what we're cooking. Uh, He's like, I think you mean who we're cooking? Yeah, we're all (laughs) now in this dystopian future. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's actually exactly... Uh, I know you haven't seen this, but you happen to to directly quote the script there. I can't tell if you're <laughs> no, I'm I, I am. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're. Joking. <laughs> they they Don't do know. not reveal the doctor who would go there. <laughs> Barbara says that she can cook, and she tries to start saying something else, but the men just like talk over her and ignore her. <laughs> uh huh. And they realize that the enemies that David thought he was escaping from in the warehouse probably weren't actually enemies at all, but were probably Susan's grandfather and friend. Uh, So so David was the one that we saw earlier. Yep. Cool. They are soon joined by a man in a wheelchair named Dortman. Tyler tells Dortman that have landed a saucer at the helipost. Cool. He also tells Dortman that he shouldn't be here, but Dortman says that he's as active as anyone. Mm, so well, I think we're uh, 
starting to head into territory about like the way that they're treating women and the way that they're treating people with disabilities. Yep. I, I had written down that we're going to get not just sexism, but also some ableism. <laughs> just checking all the boxes. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, great, great job, Terry Nation. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So Dortmund says that he's glad to see two more pairs of hands, you know, referring to Barbara and Susan. And Tyler tells him that Barbara can cook. Tyler asks Susan what she does, and she says, I eat. <laughs> I like that response. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, I thought that was that was great. David decides to head out to look for Ian and the doctor. And when Dortmund hears that it's two men that David's looking for, he approves and tells him not to take too long. Because Dortmund wants to go over the attack plans as soon as possible when he gets back. Which which we all know are just for the men. Right, exactly. <laughs> of course. Uh, okay. So, with this, David heads out, and Dortmund ignores Susan's questions, and tells Tyler to to get them below. And so Tyler like helps Susan up and then like picks her up and carries her off. And Dortmund says, I'll stay here on watch and pulls a knife out of his jacket pocket. Yeah. Just in case uh, one of those flying saucers comes back, he can always knife it. Uh huh. Ian decides back in the adventure starting zone that you know, while we're sitting around waiting for Barbara and Susan, might as well roll an investigation check. And the DM is like, dude, you don't need to roll, just like turn around. <laughs> so Ian yeah. Ian turns around and he sees the poster on the wall that forbids dead body dumping in the river. And he calls the doctor over to look at it. And the doctor thinks it's stupid. Huh. Stupid place to put a poster right under a bridge where nobody can read it or see it. I I, I think he might be missing the point there. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, Ian thinks that it might actually, here under the bridge, might actually be like a pretty good place to come if you happen to have a body to get rid of. Uh, also a, a good point. <laughs> I, I don't know why we're debating sign placement right now, but uh-huh. I guess that's what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> the doctor's just like, a dead human body in the river. I should say that's near murder, isn't it? Mm? And Ian says, Bring out your dead. And the doctor's like, mm? And Ian's like, Oh, it's from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I think they were joking about the Black Plague. <laughs> uh, this actual conversation was definitely happening. <laughs> so keep in mind, listeners, that when we're doing these recordings, um... Kyle just reads the lines of the characters that later on get replaced with audio clips um, from the episode. So it usually takes me <laughs> a moment <laughs> or two to know when these are actual quotes from the episode and when in other uh, circumstances, <laughs> like I suspect probably this one, <laughs> it's not actually quotes from the episode. Our listeners may note that this 
was written and came out before Monty Python existed. But <laughs> keep in mind that the Doctor is a time traveler, it's so true. it is entirely possible that Ian has seen the Holy Grail. <laughs> uh huh. Meanwhile, David has spotted the two of them. He's you know he's gone looking for Ian and the Doctor, and he sees them from a ways off. But he has also spotted a pair of people who are wearing the neck head thingies and who are walking slowly and stiffly in unison down the dock frontage. Oh boy. Ian is thinking about where the flying saucer that they saw must have gone, but the doctor doesn't really care about the flying saucer. He's thinking about Ian's plague suggestion and is getting worried about that and the possibility that if Susan or Barbara had gotten in the water they're bound to be contaminated with some sort of bacteria hmm interesting uh huh apparently it smells bad enough that they're not likely to have drunk any water at least they decide to start exploring the broader area you know maybe we should like leave the starting zone and look around a bit more for Barbara and Susan. But they immediately, you know, as they approach the next screen, they immediately see three of the neck head thing wearers blocking their path. They turn to go the other way and there are more of them over there. David is watching all of this from a distance and is, like, you know, urging them under his breath to, like, run anyway. Oh, hi, Matilda. <laughs> Matilda also is urging them to run away. <laughs> uh-huh. But Ian is, like, it's no use running. The doctor thinks maybe they could, like, swim away, even though the water's gross. There doesn't really seem to be any other options. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. It sounds like the, the doctor is thinking more like a person of action than Ian is. Uh huh. Yeah, usually the doctor is not really a person of action. <laughs> no, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but yeah, he's thinking about swimming away. But Ian says, well, "Hang on, try talking yet." Ian, person of conversation. So he calls to the neck head thing people. What do you want? And two of them raise their arms that are holding whips and say, "Stop." So Ian's like, well, guess talking to them didn't work. When I give the word, turn and dive in the water. <laughs> I don't think we learned a whole lot from that, but, but okay. <laughs> the episode editor must have missed the part where Ian says, when I give the word. <laughs> because we immediately cut to a view of the water, which has something rising up out of it. Nice. First, we see like a dome coming out of the water, <gasps> which has two little ear type things on it, like little lights. <laughs> it it has some grill work beneath it. Okay, okay. I think I'm getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> <laughs> and and it has this metal rod on it that can move up and down. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Good, good, good. This metal rod's got some circular doodahs on the end. Good, good, good. And, you know, it, it keeps rising up out of the water. The upper bit is 
we see is attached to a sort of like flared cylindrical shape. Okay. Which rises up out of the water. Mm-hmm. And coming from this section is another metal rod that can move up and down. And this one has a toilet plunger on the end of it. Oh, good. Very and the lowest section of this item that's coming up out of the water is like a continuation of the flared cylinder. Mm-hmm. And it is covered in these dark roundels. Mm-hmm. That's right. It is a motherfucking Dalek. Woo woo. Ian shouts. Now! And he and the doctor turn toward the river and they stop in their tracks as they see the Dalek there. (laughs) And with this, the title's next episode, The Daleks, appear on screen. Next episode, the motherfucking Daleks. <laughs> well, Kyle, we got Daleks. We do indeed. So, I am I am shocked and betrayed to learn that when you said earlier that the Daleks would only ever be in one serial in the entire history of Doctor Who, that that wasn't true? <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying that the Daleks return (laughs) and are in more than one serial? Oh, my goodness. Well, they did get eradicated completely, as far as we know, at the end of the previous one. You know, that whole, like, running their batteries down seemed to do it. So Mm -hmm. we we will see what has happened. How have they returned? <laughs> well, if I, if I forget this cliffhanger for our next recording, you, you have my permission to taunt me mercilessly about it. <laughs> Cause I, I feel like I should probably remember this one. I think you'll probably remember, I guess. I hope so. My, we... I, I never trust my memory too, too implicitly. <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. We record every three weeks. So, uh, you know, a little bit of behind the scenes for our listeners. <laughs> Every three weeks, we record two episodes, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. So, and this is our second today, as we mentioned at the start. So, yeah. Benny will have to have to hold this cliffhanger in his mind for twenty-one days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we record two episodes in one sitting, and then the next week we usually roughly. We edit um, an episode, and then the week after, we edit an episode, and then we're ready to record again. So it, it works out pretty well so far. Well, I guess we will find out in either two weeks if you're a listener or three weeks if you're a host <laughs> what the Daleks are doing here. Mm-hmm. I, I think they may or may not have uh, one thing in particular on their minds and whether they say that that beloved catchphrase in its (laughs) correct or at least more well-known form or not uh, remains to be seen and And that uh, is our true cliff dangler (laughs) yeah that's that's (laughs) what's got me uh, wanting to find out more 
next time on The Doctor's Watcher. Bye. Bye. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit 23 for the awesome theme song he made for us. You can hear it and the rest of his music at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. You can reach him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. I would like to thank Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who, and I would like to thank all you listeners for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. You can reach us by email at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com and on Twitter at doctorwatcher. If you enjoyed the program, please tell all your friends and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you review your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Don't be too long away. I'm going through the attack plans with Tyler as soon as possible. I want you to be there. Right. What attack plans? Why are you sitting down? I've hurt my ankle. What attack plans? Come on, Tyler. Get these people below. That's the way.